Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Total Bases Express Show. I am your host, Austin Spiro. Thank you for tuning in to now our uh, greatest of all time series. We are moving away from hitters now, and we're going to go to pitchers. And we're going to start with the greatest starting pitchers of all time. And as always, joining me is my friend, Kevin Miller. Kevin, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? And before we, before we went live and... This list is, it's interesting. So there ought to be a lot of discussion. If anybody joins us in the chat, uh, we may have some some disagreements in there as well. I'll, I'll be interested to see what people think. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what we think too. I think it's a combination of research and popularity. I think it's a bit of both. Um, so it'll be, it'll be very interesting. Um, speaking of interesting, you put up a really interesting poll the other day and I wanted to talk about it live on the, on the, uh, on the podcast here. We talked, uh, you put up a series of players who would you want on a, what was it? Five man. I think it was a five man dodgeball team. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And of course you put up all of the, all the pitchers and then you put up a bunch of different players. And at first for me, anyway, I was like, Oh, I'm putting Randy Johnson on there. Cause Randy Johnson can throw, can throw hard. And I'm like, I'm going to put, I'm going to put Nolan Ryan on there because Nolan Ryan throws hard. And then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, well, but they got to dodge. Like, I don't think Nolan Ryan and I don't think Randy Johnson are going to dodge very many balls. So I started looking more and more at the people that were on there. And I think my team was, who did I decide to put on there? I put uh, Mookie Betts. I put, because Mookie Betts is good at everything. Um, yeah. And then I got, who else did I put? I put Dion, Dion Sanders. Um, I had Roberto Clemente. Um, uh, those are the three that I remember. I can't, Ozzie Smith, I put on there because I'm like, he's got hands, he can catch. Yeah, did, did you have Ichiro? Did no, you have Ichiro I, didn't, I didn't have Ichiro. Or Bo Jackson? I, nope, neither one of those. I, uh, man. I Griffey? Griffey, that was it. I had Griffey on there too. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it was a good team. Uh, who did you end up putting on yours? This was a good poll. I really liked it. Yeah, I went back and forth on some of it. I, I think, I think the majority of your team, needs to kind of be able to do it all, you know, have a strong arm, uh, but also be athletic and potentially even small mm -hmm. um, so that they can dodge well. So that's where you bring in the, the Ichiro types, the Mookie bets, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even potentially guys like Ozzy Smith, Deion Sanders, guys like that. I'm pretty sure I went with Mookie and uh, Dion and Ichiro. But you also have to kind of, I mean, it's dodgeball, right? We're thinking high school, middle school, PE. You got to have some intimidators, some enforcers. Yeah. So, but you can't have Randy Johnson, you know, 6'10, gangly and unathletic as your enforcer. <laughs> so, I, you know, somebody like Bo Jackson was a popular pick. I had him on my team. You know, nobody wants to see Bo Jackson with a mean look on his face coming at them with a ball. I I thought Nobody. about Bo. I thought about Bo Jackson, but I'm like, man, he's too big. He's going to get hit with all kinds of stuff. He's too big. He is big, but do you want to be the guy that hits Bo Jackson? That's, I mean, that's true. <laughs> I mean, he might take you over his knee like he did that, like he did the, the bat when he struck out. <laughs> Just snap so you like a twig. That's so, uh, so Bo, Bo and guys like that were pretty popular. He was, he was on my team as well. I get the appeal of the, you know, the hundred mile per hour pitchers, but there's only a handful of those type guys who can actually move well. So yeah. I don't trust them. We should have a, we should have an episode of um, MLB dodgeball draft. 
That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be like, great. Or even like, 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 like multiple sports, like multiple sports and games. Yeah. You could do. Yeah. That'd if it's be bowling, sweet. I'm taking Mookie bets every time. Oh, whoever's got round one, pick one is getting Mookie bets. Like yeah. that, ain't, that ain't no problem. All right. Well, moving from dodgeball uh, to, you know, the hard, hard throwers to our greatest of all time. We're going to do starting pitching tonight. So uh, we're going to the mound and we're calling up our starting pitchers. And like we said, this is a very, very interesting list. And it starts right at the very beginning here. Um, oh, I guess I got to share the screen. I can see it. Nobody else can see it. Um, so, but it is a very, very, very interesting list and I'm kind of excited to see what people think about it here. So, uh, our 10 top 10 starting pitchers of all time. First, as always, our just missed the cut list. So these are the next five people who are not on the top five, but they were or top 10, but they were so close. Um, in 11th, my biggest surprise is Christy Mathewson, um, in 11th place, 12th, Steve Carlton, 13th, Satchel Page made a very good showing lefty Grove in 14th and Bob Feller 15th. Um, like I said, my, my surprise here is Christy Mathewson at 11th. I really thought he was going to get in the top 10 and it just, he just didn't make it. I don't know if it's maybe because he's kind of the lesser known of the bigger pitchers from the old, from, you know, when baseball started or maybe he, I don't know. I, I just thought it was interesting that he didn't, He's like the one of the pioneers of good pitching, but he didn't make the top 10. Um, what do you think over there, Kevin? Uh, is Christy Matthews in your surprise or are you surprised? Maybe Satchel Page? Yeah, I mean, honestly, all of these guys other than Steve Carlton, I think have a pretty good case to be made. You then have to turn around and eliminate someone from the top 10, which gets difficult. Yeah, uh, but Matthewson and Grove, I think, were probably the two best pitchers of these five. Uh, although Bob Feller, just a little note on Bob Feller, he led the league in strikeouts, and then went and fought in World War II, and he came back and led the league in strikeouts again after not pitching for a couple of years. Uh, so he is pretty daggum good too. It's it's always amazing to me all of these players that were really good right before the war and then they come back from the war and they were like oh guess what I'm still good screw you like <laughs> like if anybody anybody to this day like anybody modern day took three years, three years off, off they would be terrible yeah for so. sure I I don't think I don't think modern hitters would stand a chance to do that you know I guess there's the chance a pitcher could keep his arm healthy and be okay but a hitter would have absolutely no shot. No, absolutely not. Uh, so moving from our just missed the cut, we're going to go to our number 10, our gatekeeper, number 21, Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens is our number 10 all-time starting pitcher. He spent a 24-year career with the Red Sox, Blue Jays, Yankees, and Astros from 1984 to 2007. He pitched in 709 games for a total of 4,916 and two-thirds innings. Good for 16th all-time. Uh, a 3.12 ERA, 1.17 whip, a really good 143 ERA plus. Uh, he has the most, he has the biggest war of all, of every pitcher all time. First all time, 133.7, made 11 all-star appearances, won the Cy Young in 1986, 87, 91, 97, 98, 2001, and 2004. And then he won the MVP in 1986, which is really hard to do for pitchers. 
He is third all-time in strikeouts, 4,671. 27th all-time in career shutouts at 46. And ninth all-time in wins at 354. Of course, the big cloud here is the steroids. How much of this is steroids and how much of this is not? So um, I have a story to share with Roger Clemens. I've shared this a couple times. It involves my dad. Um, but we, uh, I want to I give you the floor first, Kevin. And we've got some chat already. We've got uh, Melvin in the chat. We've got Angel in the chat. We've got Corey Richmond already. He's saying, wow, steroid Phil Pudge was second and Rocket was 10. How interesting. So referring back to our catchers list where um, we talked about Pudge Rodriguez being number two and now Roger Clemens is number 10. Kevin, what is your opinion here at Roger Clemens at number 10? Uh, I do have to agree with Corey that that it he didn't say this, but he 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 means this. There's a double standard going on here. Like I, I don't know I don't know what the cause is, but uh, you know Pudge and Piazza both made the top five of the catchers list, and Clemens is all the way down at ten. And to be frank, I think Roger Clemens is clearly a higher caliber pitcher than Piazza was a catcher and, and potentially than Pudge as well. Yeah, if you yeah. if the steroids are not part of the conversation, would you be surprised if Roger Clemens was number one on this list? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean he I think he'd clearly be top 10 or top five and potentially even number one. And the reality is though, you can't eliminate the steroids from the discussion. Yeah. He's he's a guy who while he did not actually ever fail a test like some of these other guys, whether they were secret anonymous tests or not, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of smoke around Clemens, uh, whether it's uh, people testifying in court that they sold him or delivered him HGH. And by the way, that's why he never got popped for a test is he didn't allegedly, he didn't use steroids, but he allegedly used HGH which required at the time a blood test. And that was not tested for um, while he played. So whether it's in, in court or um, other players talking about Clemens and his drug use, there's a lot of smoke around it to the point where it's pretty much accepted that Roger Clemens doped in some kind of way. So you have to answer the question. What do you think about that? What do you think about the fact that Roger Clemens was likely a steroid uh, steroid user or HDH user during the steroid era. And you can't act like he wasn't elite. You can't act like he wasn't dominant, but if the cheating, and that's what it is, if the cheating is something that, that causes you to, to vote him lower, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I just, it's this, this was one of the ones I think this was one of the guys that, really turned me off when it came to steroids was because I really liked Roger Clemens and I liked Roger Clemens because my dad liked Roger Clemens. And then you have the whole steroid thing with Barry Bonds. I got mad when they were, when they were talking about steroids and Barry Bonds, I'm like, why are you picking on the guy just because he's breaking home run records? That's messed up. You're claiming that he's cheating and that's just wrong. And then we, course we know what happened and it's very obvious that both of these you know that it's very obvious what happened here and there's a lot of smoke all over the place with these guys and it broke my heart as a baseball fan and it really did because i mean roger clemens is a dominant dominant pitcher and i agree there is a double standard but we see that all over the place in the baseball world some people are getting hammered more than others 
when it comes to the steroids. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens are getting punished. Uh, Rafael Palmero got hit hard. Um, you know, but then you have people like um, David Ortiz. You have people like Manny Ramirez. You have people like Alex Rodriguez. You have people like that who don't get hit as hard for steroids. And for whatever reason, I don't, and I will never understand why. Um, the other thing that could be adding on to maybe Roger Clemens being at number 10 instead of being higher up, like some of the other steroid guys we've seen on the list, is he also has off the field issues. He has some off the field issues with, you know, of the sexual nature. And it has to do with minors, if I'm correct, at some point anyway. Um, and uh, so maybe that will also, that's also playing with his ranking a little bit. I don't know. I don't, I didn't ask anybody. So we'll just have to see. But um, that is, and that's just the fact of the matter. Roger Clemens is at number 10. I'll tell you, I, I previewed a story. I'll tell you a story. So my dad played, te- uh, played baseball in Texas. He was a catcher uh, in high school. And uh, one day he showed up practice and there were a few pitchers from the University of Texas that wanted to, that wanted to throw a bullpen. It was the off season. They wanted to throw a bullpen. And so my dad being the catcher of the varsity team, he caught the bullpen of these guys. He said, I caught bullpen for most of them. And he said, there was one particular guy who was just throwing way harder than most of than, than the other guys. He was throwing hard. He was popping the mitt. And it was very obvious that he was throwing harder than everybody else. He said, after that bullpen, that pitcher walked up to me, grabbed a ball, grabbed a pen, signed it and tossed it to me and said, here, kid, here's a ball for when I make it to the bigs. And my dad is like, who is this clown sitting here as a Texas, you know, University of Texas ball player signing me a ball that like he's going to make the majors. He's going to be some big hot shot. Who is this idiot? That idiot, Roger Clemens. <laughs> man you'd even you'd told me that story once before and it still it, it still gets me uh here and now it's like man that's that's so crazy like how much confidence did he have i mean obviously extremely cocky and arrogant too it's not just confidence but he backed it up yeah as an we're, athlete we're, you have to have that though if you want to be as good as he was or as good as any of these guys do you got to have that chip on your shoulder you know what i mean that's what i've noticed from you know, what separates good from great is there, they got a little bit of that chip. Even people like Derek Jeter, he's got that chip. He may not show it as much, but he's got that chip, you know, type of yeah. deal. Yeah. So, One of the things that's really impressive about Clemens numbers that nobody talks about is that he's 16th all time in innings pitched. Yeah. That's ridiculous. When you consider the first 50 years of the sport had yeah. guys starting 40 and 50 games a year. And throwing as hard as he did. Right. Yeah. He, you know, he like, like uh, another guy we'll probably see later on this list, you know, Randy Johnson, they both pitched so long and threw so hard. Yeah. So, you know, there were no pitch counts then. <laughs> <laughs> at least not any that people cared about. Yeah. Right. All right. So moving on from Roger Clemens at number 10, we're going to move to number nine. 
probably somebody a little bit more of a good nature, Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver spent a 20-year career with the Mets, Reds, White Sox, and Red Sox from 1967 to 1986. He pitched in the 20th most games all time at 656, the 18th most innings all time at 4,783 to the tune of a 2.86 ERA, a 1.12 whip, which was good for 41st all time, has a 127 ERA plus. And for those of you that don't know what ERA ERA plus is, we talked a lot about weighted runs created plus or, or OPS plus with the hitters. That's pretty much what this is for pitchers. It's an adjusted ERA that's adjusted for things like ballpark and era and stuff like that. Anything above 100 is above average, and the bigger the number is, the better of a pitcher you were. Below below 100, obviously, is below average, um, but spoiler alert, all these guys are above 100. A 127 ERA plus good for 55th all time. He has the 11th highest war of pitchers, 92.4. Made 12 all-star appearances was the 1967 Rookie of the Year, won the Cy Young in 1969, 73, and 75, sixth all-time in strikeouts, 3,638, tied for seventh all-time in shutouts at 61, and 17th all-time in wins at 310. Tom Seaver, rest his soul, he just died here probably, what, a year ago? Um, Maybe not even that. Uh, Tom Seaver at number nine. Uh, what is your opinion of Tom Seaver here at number nine? Yeah, th- this will be my my first problem with the list. I think Tom Seaver needs to be higher. I agree. Um, when you when you consider uh, how good he was and for how long, uh, it's it's really remarkable. Especially because he was not a guy that was you know popping ninety eight, ninety nine, hundred miles per hour. I mean, he threw he threw relatively hard early in his career with the Mets. Um, but you know, Tom Seaver was absolutely dominant for a decade and then had another decade where he was still really good. And he, he, uh, is part of a world series team with the Mets. Um, he's part of a a world series team with the reds. Uh, He's a winner. He's a leader. He just, I mean, if you talk to people who lived while Tom Seaver pitched and you ask them who was the best pitcher of the 1970s, the usual answer, Tom Seaver. Yeah. Sometimes you'll get a couple other guys mixed in, but Tom Seaver was the man. And I don't think he gets enough credit. Um, Mets fans uh, who know that I'm a Braves fan might be surprised to hear me say this, but I think Tom Seaver might be the most underrated pitcher uh, starting pitcher of all time. Yeah. He does not get the credit he deserves. You know, guys like Jim Palmer are underrated too, but Tom Seaver was better than Jim Palmer. He was yeah. better than than that crew of guys who's also underrated. I mean, he's he's top 12 all time in pitching war, despite you know, not being one of those guys who started 50 games a year in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, is top 10 in shutouts and top 10 in strikeouts all as a guy who was a pitcher before he was a thrower. And I think, I think that's an important distinction too. Uh, he was a guy that had a lot of, of skill while pitching and, and he's not the only guy on this list that that's true of, but uh, Tom Seaver, I believe should be higher. Yeah. I, I was of the same opinion. Um, and it looks like Corey Richmond in the chat saying that he should be much higher as well. 
And he was kind enough to put the day he died. And I'm really shocked that it's already been this August 31st, 2020. It's already been almost, it's already been almost three years since Tom Seaver died. And that's crazy. I thought it was like six months ago. <laughs> wow. So wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that, now that I see that he was, he, there was so, there were so many all time greats who died in 2020. Yeah. And uh, you know, he was, he ended up being one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Tom Seaver at number nine, who ends up at number eight, that would be none other than Pedro Martinez. Another one that I thought was going to land higher and he's not, he's, he's, he's right here. Probably one of the greatest pitching seasons that we will ever see. Um, he has spent an 18 year career with the Dodgers Expos, Red Sox, Mets, and Phillies from 1992 to 2009 pitched in 476 games career, 2,827 in the third innings pitched to the tune of a 2.93 ERA, a 1.05 whip, a 154 ERA plus, which is good for sixth all time, an 82.8 war, which is good for 15th all time. He has eight all-star appearances, won the 1999 pitching triple crown award. So, or the, he won the pitching triple crown. So for those of you that don't know what the pitching triple crown is, that is you lead the league in wins, in strikeouts and in ERA all in the same year. That's how you win the triple crown. Of course, the batting triple crown is average home runs and RBIs. Um, and he won the Cy Young in 1997, 1999, which was probably, I think in my opinion, 1999 is probably one of the greatest pitching seasons that we've ever seen in the history of the game. And 2000, depending on what you see, depending on what you look at statistically, could be better than his 1999 season. Um, and he won the Cy Young there as well. He's And he's 16th all-time in strikeouts at 3,032, which is something to be said in itself. Speaking as, uh, you know, with these other guys that are up there in strikeouts, he's pitched almost 1,000 a a thousand innings less than the other guys that we've seen on this list. Pedro Martinez at number eight. The other thing is he has a reputation for being, I guess you want to call it a bulldog. I don't know. Maybe you want to call it more of a pit bull when it comes to, he was very, very good at getting under your skin um, and very good at, you know, he got in multiple fights out on the baseball field and uh, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid of anybody. He wasn't afraid to come inside and hit you. Um, so, you know, that's, I think that's kind of the legacy he leaves behind. Um, I think he's a good analyst, sometimes a little uh, hard to understand what he, what he's saying, but he's a good analyst as well. Um, Kevin, what's your opinion here of Pedro Martinez here at number eight? Do you think he should be higher? I was surprised he wasn't as high. Yeah, Pedro's an interesting case. Um, I, I remember when we were going through the first base list and we came across Hank Greenberg. Uh, Hank Greenberg, you know, rate stats is, you know, top 10 all time, regardless of position for most of those stats. But he didn't quite have the longevity that a lot of the other players have. And Pedro, despite playing, you know, for 18 years, uh, because of some injuries towards the end and even starting as, as a relief pitcher with the Dodgers, uh, he doesn't have some of the, the longevity numbers either, despite the fact that, you know, per game or per season, he's one of the best to ever do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to you have to weigh. What do you think about, you know, dominance for a shorter? I mean, he still pitched 18 years and was probably, you know, qualified for ERA title, you know, 15 of those. But, you know, shorter than some of these other guys versus the the longevity that some. Uh, that some of these pitchers have on him. And and to me, I would rather see a guy who's just utterly dominant 
for a couple of years less than a guy who's, you know, borderline dominant, but a little bit longer. And so I would have personally had Pedro a little bit higher. I find it interesting that there is another person who's likely to come on this list who is very similar to Pedro in the not as long of a career, but very dominant, but yet his career was even shorter. Yeah. But people have a different view of, of, of him. I'll just say, I'm talking about Sandy Koufax and we'll talk about him. I'm sure later on this list, but Sandy Koufax gets more love than Pedro significantly more love than Pedro, despite their careers being very similar uh, overall. And Pedro actually pitched a little bit longer. Do you think it has Um, to do with their reputation? Because like I said, Pedro had a reputation of being a little more, you know, he he was a little more of a fighter, uh, maybe a little bit more of a negative reputation, whereas Sandy Koufax, I have never heard one negative thing said about Sandy Koufax ever. Yeah, and that could that could play a part of it. I think also the the way the careers ended, you know, Pedro uh, had a couple injuries and then, you know, went out with the Phillies. How many people even remember that he pitched for the Phillies? I end. forgot that he pitched for the Dodgers. It wasn't the Phillies that I forgot. I forgot he yeah. was on the Dodgers. Yeah, that was that was early, and then he was primarily a reliever with the Dodgers, but yeah. uh, because he threw a hundred. <laughs> but in you know I, that could play a role in it because you know Koufax kind of walked away uh, at his peak, while Pedro, um, I don't want to say went out with a whimper necessarily, but uh, he he didn't he didn't go out at the top of his game for sure. So that could have could play a role in it. His reputation could certainly play a role in it. You know, throwing a 70 year old man to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> is not a great look? Even if that 70 year old man is in the wrong for charging at you, throwing him on the ground, no matter what, isn't going to be a good look for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Zimmer, it's not just a 70 year old man. It was one of the most beloved baseball figures who's right. By the way, who was in the right spot at the right time. 50 million times has seen all kinds of baseball history. Like, it, like he was on the field for it. I, um, yeah, I just, that, that's always, that's always shocked me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, throwing down Don Zimmer, never Don Zimmer. I, I <laughs> knew his name never, was Don and I'm like, I couldn't remember his last name. Yeah. It's never, never going to be looked upon in a super favorable light. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that could definitely play a role. I, I, I would have had Pedro a little bit higher, but yeah. I understand him at eight. Yeah. All right. So Pedro at number eight, we have, uh, Cardinal greats at number at number seven, Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson spent a 17-year career with only the Cardinals from 1959 to 1975. He pitched in the 67th most games all time at 528 uh, to a total of 3,884 and a third innings pitch, good for 43rd all time. A 2.91 ERA, 1.18 WHIP. And surprisingly, his ERA plus is lower than I thought it was going to be. 127 ERA plus, good for 55th all time, though. He has the 16th biggest war, 82.3, made eight all-star appearances, won the uh, Cy Young in 1968, probably, again, one of the best pitching seasons that we've ever seen in Major League history, and 1970. And in that same 1968 season, he also won MVP. He's 14th all-time in strikeouts at 3,099 and 13th all-time in shutouts at 56 career shutouts. I really like Bob Gibson. Um, I really love Bob Gibson. And I think I just love his competitiveness out on the mound. 
I, and I always like the story of, and I can't remember for the life of me who the batter was, but his last career, his last career batter that he faced, the dude hit a home run off of it. And then he was, he was yanked from the game. And that was his last game, his last bat ever. Those two, Bob Gibson and this batter, I can't remember, I can't remember his name. That, that batter <laughs> faced each other like, 20 years or 15 years later, something like that in a, in a legends game, first pitch, Bob Gibson beamed him. <laughs> it was Pete. Talk about a memory. <laughs> Talk about holding on to a grudge like dang. So I just love Bob Gibson's competitiveness. And I mean, the 1968 season, a 1.12 ERA, that's just, you're not hitting him. And I mean, the mound was lowered. Mostly because Bob Gibson just, you couldn't touch him. They had to because it was just not fair to hit against Bob Gibson. One of the greatest pitchers of all time. And uh, according to Baseball Life, he's number seven. What's your opinion here, Bob Gibson, our number seven pitcher of all time? Number seven seems about right for Bob Gibson. It's He's one of those guys who, kind of similar to Pedro, outrageously dominant at his peak. You know, the, the 1968 season is the the stuff of legends, really. Um, it was, by the way, it was Pete LeCocq who mm. he, who he gave up the, the yeah. grand slam to, and then hit him. Uh, and then actually a few years later, I, I was watching this recently during another old timers game, uh, the 1994 old timers game, right before the strike, um, they, they like did a parody of it basically. And, and he came on to pitch. It was actually a softball, uh, game and, <laughs> and he came on and, and he hit his first batter. <laughs> uh, in that as well, just to kind of make fun of himself, uh, which, which is cool. Cause a lot of those old guys don't like to, uh, they don't like to have a sense of humor about themselves. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, Bob Gibson, tremendous pitcher, you know, mound lowered twice during his career, 1961 and 1969. And the 1969 was for sure because of him, like, because they couldn't hit him in 68, yeah. they had to do something. He was untouchable that year. And, and I, I, I know that he kind of slowed down a little bit towards the end, but, uh, but he was, he was absolutely incredible. Uh, I've got no issue with him being where he is on this list. Uh, number seven is probably about right. If somebody wanted to vote him a little bit higher, I get that too. Uh, Corey Richmond is one of those. He says, this list is insane. How high is Nolan Ryan? If Gibson is this low? Well, We'll get to Nolan Ryan here uh, very shortly, I'm sure. And then he adds in Gibson, Bob Gibson hit his own son in a father-son game. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> you want to talk about competitiveness. I'm sure my dad would do that too. My dad, if I made my dad mad, he'd be me too. Um, no. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, so Bob Gibson at number seven, we're moving right along to our number six pitcher. Why did I not put number six in the thing? I have no idea, but Sandy Koufax is our number six pitcher of all time. Uh, he, and this is the one that you were talking about. Sandy Koufax at number, number six. six, he, uh, spent a 12 year career with the Dodgers, both in Brooklyn and LA from 1955 to 1966. He pitched in 397 career games to the tune of 2,324 and a third innings pitched, but was dominant with that had a 2.76 ERA, a 1.106. So 1.11 whip, uh, good for 131 ERA plus that's tied for 44th all time. 
even though he has a short career, he's 70th all-time in war at 54.5. Uh, six all-star appearances, won the Cy Young in 1963, 65, and 66, and won the MVP in 1963. Sandy Koufax at number six, n- better known as the left hand of God, right? Um, I, I, I That's one of my favorite nicknames. I don't know why the left hand of God, it's just... And I read a Tom Verducci article about Sandy Koufax and how he just kind of exists. He just, he doesn't really like go outside of himself to try and find attention. He just, he's like, yeah, I'm I'm Sandy, whatever. Like he just goes and eats at his diner and he never, you know, never really wants anybody to pay attention to him. I don't know. I always find that interesting when you live in the spotlight like that. And when you retire at the peak, like Sandy Koufax did. And after that, he's like, yeah, I'm I'm good. I don't need to talk to nobody. I just always find that incredibly interesting. Um, You know, cause you would think when you get up, you get a taste for the limelight when you get, when you get that far. Right. But Sandy Koufax is one with a short career, known for retiring at a at the peak, most likely of his career. Um, but he went out on top. I mean, you can't you can't you can't knock him for that. He did play twelve years, shorter than any other um, pitcher that we're going to see on this list. But it was a good twelve years with the Dodgers. Um, Kevin, your opinion on Sandy Koufax? Uh, before I even give my opinion. I'll give Corey Richmond's opinion. Yeah, I just this saw list it has, too. This list has upset him so much that he has turned off the show and is going to listen later. So <laughs> baseball life, look what you've done. Look what you wrote, you've done. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> now, Corey, uh, Corey, we we have some uh, we have some uh, problems with some of the guys on on the list and where they're they're at too. So don't worry. But Koufax is a guy who, man. You can make a daggum argument for him to be anywhere from one to off the list, you know. Yeah. In in sheer excellence, he's one of the best pitchers to ever, ever step on a mound, without a doubt. I mean, he went out winning three of four Cy Youngs. That's how he ended his career. Yep. You know, it, it's it's difficult for for me to to look at Sandy Koufax. And see that he had a 12-year career, but also, and this is a guy who didn't even make the top 15, look at Clayton Kershaw and see that statistically, he's better in every single metric than Sandy Koufax. Just something. Corey's back. (laughs) Justice for Sandy. I do, I do I find it interesting that that Kershaw in actually a little bit longer career now who has better numbers didn't even make the top 15. Yeah. Uh, not to take away from Sandy Koufax, I believe I actually had him higher than 6th on my personal list. So I I'm not taking away from Koufax at all. Um sheer dominance especially uh, at his peak which I mean because he retired left the game so young his peak was most of his career. You know, like I said, you can make an argument for him at the top if you really wanted to. Um, it's a difficult case for sure. Um, I get, I get I think it's his popularity. Yeah. I popularity that gets him on here. Yeah. I get that, that his career was short and I get that his career is dominant. So I can understand the, the argument either way. He was very popular um, partially because he was, kind of the antithesis of the cities of New York and LA, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's very quiet, unassuming, 
nice guy. Um, he was a, a devout Jew who, you know, did not, uh, we'll just say partake in much nightlife and things of that nature. And depending on who you ask may have even left baseball because he wanted to um, stick closer to his roots uh, in Judaism. So, you know, he's, he's a guy who has a unique off the field story as well. Um, I do not understand why at least one person who is still to come has any conversation ahead of Sandy Koufax, but we will get there shortly. We will get there very shortly. Um, By the way, you mentioned Clayton Kershaw 17th on this list. That's crazy. He was 17th. So, you know, Sandy Koufax number six and uh, Clayton Kershaw number 17. It's a better showing though. It's a, it's a pretty good showing from a modern pitcher when you think about it. Sure. Um, so Sandy Koufax at number six, we are now moving into our top five and I have a feeling we're going to get on a long discussion here and, uh, we'll see if Corey's still here looking at it, uh, watching us here. Number five, the Ryan, the Nolan Ryan express Nolan Ryan spent a 27 year career with the Mets, angels, Astros, and Rangers from nine in 1966. he started his career and then he didn't play in the 1967 season and then played from 1968 to 1993. He's, Pitched in the second most games all time, 807. He's pitched in the fourth most innings of all time, 5,386. He has a three. He has a 3.19 ERA, a 1.25 WHIP, a 112 ERA plus. He has the sixth best WAR out of any pitcher, 106.7. Eight All Star appearances is the all time leader in strikeouts, and it ain't even close. 5,713. I can see Kevin moving around in his seat. He's ready. <laughs> He's ready to throw some punches. Uh, tied for seventh all-time in shutouts, 61. He's 14th all-time in wins, 323. And he is the all-time leader in walks at 2,795. Hits per nine, six per six, uh, 6.6. That's hits for every nine innings, 6.6. And, of course... He is the all-time leader in no-hitters at seven, which I always love to say that Nolan Ryan is known for known on the Texas teams, the Rangers and the Astros, but his best success, he was most successful as an angel. Five of his seven no-hitters came on the Angels. And so I always like to say that. He was the most successful as, the, as an angel, but the Angels pissed him off. So he's, he doesn't affiliate with the Angels anymore. He would much rather affiliate with himself with the Astros and the Rangers. Nolan Ryan at number five. I can see you squirming around in your seat. You're ready to throw some punches. Let's hear it. Nolan Ryan at number five, Kevin. I first need to preemptively apologize to my father <laughs> and every baseball fan from the age of 50 to 70. They will all be very, very angry with what I'm about to say. Nolan Ryan is not a top 10 pitcher of all time. Wow. Not top 10. Holy cow. Okay. Nolan Ryan had incredible durability. I'm not taking that away from him. He had an incredible fastball. One of the best ever. Nolan Ryan was tough as nails. Nolan Ryan did not get hurt very much. Nolan Ryan, uh, had a lot of success in uh, multiple eras because he played so long. 
But there's a reason why Nolan Ryan leads baseball all time and hits per nine. You want to know what that reason is? Why? Because he walks so freaking many people. You don't have to get a hit if he throws four balls to you. 2,795 walks. To be fair, though, he almost he pitched for almost 30 years. Yeah, but look at it. He threw 5,386 innings. That's approximately twice as many uh, innings as walks. When you do the math on that, he's almost at five walks per nine innings. Five walks per nine innings does not even let you start in today's game. It just doesn't. The guy was really good but he had some massive holes that just can't be ignored. I mean, look at his ERA plus it's one twelve. that goes to show you that while he was good, he was not elite. He had a few seasons where he was elite, where he cut down on the walks for sure. And nobody really wanted to stand in the box with him because, Hey, he threw 101, he threw 102 and he was a little bit wild. Maybe he'd hit you. Maybe he'd walk you. Maybe he'd throw one right down the middle that you could hit 500 feet. You just didn't know. But part of the you didn't know involves some issues on Nolan Ryan's part. The, the man, the man is revered, absolutely revered by the generation above us. They love Nolan Ryan. I think a lot of the reason why is because he was he pitched till he was kind of old and he was kind of a cantankerous white guy. And that's a big demographic for baseball fans. Old cantankerous white guys. Well, that's Nolan Ryan. And it's been Nolan Ryan for a while. Hey, everybody loves that Nolan Ryan beat the crap out of Robin Ventura when Robin Ventura was like 25 and Nolan Ryan was like 45. Everybody everybody loves that. Everybody loves it. Everybody loves that Bo Jackson hit a liner off of Nolan Ryan's face and he pitched the rest of the game bloody. Everybody loves that. But nobody wants to talk about how many times he walked batters. I mean, he had seven no-hitters. Incredible feat. None of them were perfect games. You don't know why? Because he walked everybody. Yeah, but to be fair, nobody's even close to seven no-hitters. The, no, they're not. The most, they're I think not. the most after him is what, three? Uh, four, I believe. Four? Didn't Still. Koufax throw four? Uh, he may have. I think Koufax threw four. But, yeah, no, seven, it's, again, it's a really great feat. But you don't have to get a hit. If you can walk to first base without anybody trying to throw you out. He's the all-time leader in walks, and it's not close. It's, it's an even bigger gap than his strikeout lead. Again, very good pitcher. Very good. But he's very good. He's not, certainly not top five. This, that's ridiculous to me. The fact that he's ahead of Sandy Koufax. The fact that he's ahead of Pedro Martinez. The fact that he's ahead of Bob Gibson. Tom Seaver, all those dudes are better than Nolan Ryan. Roger Clemens, they're steroids, so I get it, but he's better than Nolan Ryan. Christy you know, Matthewson, you know, better than you, Nolan Ryan. You, you, don't hear, you don't have to hear my father on the phone. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hear it. I, I know it. As soon as he listens, I'm going to hear, are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, I, know. I, I apologize to my dad. <laughs> I apologize to my dad. I'll apologize to, to your dad, Mr. Spiro. I'm sorry, <laughs> but facts are facts and facts don't care about your nostalgia from the seventies and eighties. <laughs> they don't man. Nolan Ryan. Very good pitcher. 
Very wow. good pitcher. Wow. All right. Well, none. I mean, nevertheless, Nolan Ryan is number five. I don't think I have anything else to rebut with that. That was that was awesome. Uh, number five, Nolan Ryan. So who did baseball life think is better than Nolan Ryan? They thought Nolan Ryan was better than Bob Gibson and Tom Seaver and Sandy Koufax and all these other guys. But who they think was better than Nolan Ryan? That first one is night is number four. This one is the one I have the biggest problem with, Cy Young. Cy Young is our number four pitcher of all time. A 22-year career with the Spiders, Cleveland Spiders, the St. Louis Perfectos, the Boston Americans, the Cleveland Naps, and the Boston Rustlers from 1890 to 1911. None of those teams exist anymore. And it's been a long time since any of those teams have played. He pitched in the most games all time, 906. He pitched in the most innings all time, 7,356. He's and pitching all of those games and all of those innings. He's still in the top 100 in ERA, 89th all time, 2.63 ERA. With all those innings, he's tied for 63rd in whip, 1.13. For those of you that don't know what whip is, because whip sometimes can get kind of a confusing stat, is walks and hits per innings pitched. So essentially, how many base runners are you allowing per inning? Walks, hits per inning pitched. So he's allowing just a little more than one batter or one runner per inning pitched. A tied for 22nd all time, 138 ERA plus. The second biggest war of all time behind only Roger Clemens, 131.5 war. He's 24th all time in strikeouts at 2,803. The, the most winningest pitcher in major league history, 511 wins. And fourth all time in shutouts, 76. And it doesn't stop there. He is the all-time leader, not only in wins, but in losses, 315. Game started, 815. So he had 815 starts out of 906 games pitched. He has the most complete games. You ready for this stat? 749 complete games. The man was a horse. He also leads in hits allowed, 7,092. Earn runs allowed, 2,147. And batters faced 29,565 batters. That is a lot of people. That is a lot of hitters to face. Now, some of you are probably going to look at this and go, well, he's the leader in hits earn and earn runs allowed. And he's lost the most. Yeah, it's because he played so goddamn much. He pitched almost, a, he's only 100, 100 games off of 1,000 games. Ain't nobody going to even be sniffing anywhere close to 900 games pitched anymore, let alone do it as well as Cy Young did. There's a reason why this man has a award named after him, the award that pitchers covet the most in the MLB, the Cy Young Award. It's because this man is the cream of the crop when it comes to pitching. Now, this was a different time. This is probably, this is just coming off, literally, probably just coming off the era. He was probably one of the first ones where the pitcher was a position that mattered. When the game first started, the pitcher didn't matter. They underhanded, lobbed the ball in there. Their goal was to get the hitter to hit the ball. It wasn't until right around this time that the pitchers actually started putting spin and stuff on the ball to get the hitter to miss it. But this dude did it better than anybody else. 
Why Cy Young is not number one on this list, I have no idea. Certainly not number four. I could see some of the other guys maybe have an argument for number one, but Cy Young should be number one, my opinion. There ain't, I mean, I don't know. He's the picture of durability. He almost pitched 900 games. And I don't care if you throw hard or not. You throw 900 games, 22 years, and you're 749 complete games. He threw nine innings. 749 times, and you're telling me he's only the number four pitcher? Come on, give me a break. Cy Young at number four. What do you think, Kevin? You know, I don't necessarily have a problem with him being number four. What kills me is when he gets left off of people's ballots because they look at numbers like losses and game and uh, hits allowed and things like that, and, and they miss the bigger picture. They don't realize that in 22 seasons, he pitched almost three times as many innings as Sandy Koufax and Pedro Martinez did. Three times as many. Like he that's three, three careers. For, right. He had three Sandy Koufax careers. Right. And, and, you know, while he does have the record for most earned runs, his ERA is basically two and a half. <laughs> the reason he has the most earned runs is because he pitched so long. 2.63 ERA is, is one of the best uh, of all time. You know, it's, it's 89th here, but there were a lot of guys of his era who had much shorter careers that had better ERAs because they had much shorter careers. Yeah. Cy Young, uh, you, you mentioned this. He was one of the, the first pitchers to, uh, to start intentionally putting a bunch of movement on his pitches. You know, the, uh, <laughs> the guys who, who played back in the, the 1870s, and stuff would either, like you said, uh, put it in underhand or just lob it in uh, like batting practice. And, and Cy Young was like, well, I don't need my shortstop to get the guy out if I can throw it past him. Yeah. Or if I can get him to, to make weak contact, which is one of the one of the things he did best was, you know, much like some uh, some other guys that we'll talk about on this list. He, he pitched to weak contact better than just about anybody who's ever ever played the game. Uh, I, I don't, I don't like it when uh, maybe not quite as strong of a, an, an opinion as you, but I don't like it at all when people try to discredit older pitchers, especially Cy Young because, Oh, well they only walked or they only struck out four four batters a game. It's like, well, it was a completely different game. Four yeah. batters a game was a lot. That's a lot. Back then. Yeah. I mean, there are Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers from that era that struck out one and a half batters a game or two batters a game. So the fact that Cy Young was striking out four is a big deal. Yeah. You know, it was a completely different ball game. So I, I'm comfortable with Cy Young at four. I, I can respect arguments like yours for him to be higher. I mean, like you said, the award is named after the man. That that happens for a reason, Right. Nobody, I don't know if once we get past active players, I don't know if we'll ever see anybody else get to half as many wins Yeah, as Cy Young, because that would take 255 and a half wins. Once you get past the, the active guys who are, you know, the, the Scherzers, Verlanders, Kershaw's, those guys, I don't know that we see that again with the way yeah. the game's going. Mm -hmm. So Cy, Cy Young may have double the amount of wins of anybody else who's ever going to play starting today. Like yeah. that's a wild thing to think about. Yeah. I mean, he, 511 wins just, that, that just kind of speaks for itself.
Yeah. And I mean, wins isn't the, isn't the defining character. Isn't the, it's not the defining statistic of a pitcher. And in fact, wins have lost a lot of credibility as of late when in baseball history, because there's a lot of factors that goes into wins, but still you got to pitch at least somewhat well, you know, you got to at least hold the lead. You, I mean, in order to get the win, you have to have the lead when you leave. Right. And you have to at least go five innings into the game. So, you know, there's, there's some sort of skill to be there to get the win and for him to get it 511 times is, is, is pretty good. You know, so anyway, Cy Young at number four. Well, Cy Young also just as a, a little thing. He once pitched two complete games on the same day. Oh, interesting. Doubleheader. He pitched both legs of the doubleheader, two complete games. Very nice. Um, speaking, uh, have you watched the Ken Burns uh, documentary, the baseball documentary, the 10-part series or whatever? I did a while back. I have not seen it recently. It was a while back. Do you remember who is credited for throwing the first, who's credited for inventing the curveball, essentially? Was that Cy Young? It was not. His name was Candy Cummings. It's an oh, unfortunate name. It is. It is a very unfortunate name. I always feel bad for him, but he invented the curveball. So whatever. <laughs> He's like, right. he probably doesn't care. Christy Matthewson invented the screwball guy we talked about earlier. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That, the I reverse curveball. <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is the same era. They're all pitching in the same era here. So anyway, Cy Young at number four, who is in our top three? Our top three is, we just talked about him. I, I needed to find a picture of him with an angry face. There he is. Randy Johnson, 22-year <laughs> career with the Expos Mariners. I did not know he pitched for the Astros. I thought that, I mean, it was only half, like half a season, but still. Yeah, it was trade Astros. deadline, I think. Yeah. Mariners, Astros, D-backs, uh, the Diamondbacks, Yankees, and Giants from 1988 to 2009. Pitched in the 27th, mo- uh, 27th most games all time, 618, and good for the 37th most innings of all time, 4,135 in the third innings. A 3.29 ERA, a 1.17 whip, a 135 ERA plus tied for 28th all time. He has the fifth highest war out of any pitcher, 110.5. Good uh, nine all-star appearances. He won the Cy Young in 1995, 1999, 2000, 2001, and 2002. Behind Nolan Ryan and his 5,700 strikeouts, he is second. Randy Johnson is second all-time, second all-time in strikeouts, 4,818, almost a thousand less. I always, that, that just drives me bananas. And is the second, is the 22nd all time in wins at 301. Randy Johnson at number three. I'm interested to see, to see what you think of Randy Johnson, because a lot of the stats, the ERA and the, 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 the way that they threw, would you compare Randy Johnson similar to Nolan Ryan? I mean, he pitched five less years, but he's got a really hard fastball. Um, different build, but still really hard fastball, but kind of a higher ERA than some of these other guys, 3.29 ERA. So what's your take here at Randy Johnson at number three? Are you okay with Randy Johnson at number three? Or do you think he's in the same boat as Nolan Ryan? I don't think he's in the same boat as Nolan Ryan. I think I think you could almost call him Nolan Ryan plus, right? You know, he's a very, very similar stylistically, 
in that he, you know, big, tall guy, although very tall, you know, six ten. Yeah. Uh, at the time, he was the tallest guy to to have ever played. At the, there was a, I think his name was John Lannon. Maybe it was six ten and a half, so he passed him. But you know, Randy Johnson um, did not walk as many <laughs> batters as Nolan Ryan. Um, but, uh, his, his ERA did get a little inflated towards the end, Randy Johnson, and he didn't make this a secret. He wanted to get to 300 wins. So he, he stuck on uh, a little bit longer than, than maybe would have been best for his image. And that hurt his ERA. He had a couple of seasons, uh, with the, the Yankees and the giants that weren't quite as, uh, as Randy Johnson esque, so to speak. I believe he had a season with the ERA and the fives. Uh, and that that'll that'll hurt your career averages for sure. Mm-hmm. But at his peak, you know, I mean, four Cy Youngs in a row, four Cy Youngs in a row. Uh, that's that's really impressive. Uh, he also is the uh, intimidating half of one of the the funniest two man shows I've ever seen during the All Star Game, where he jokingly throws behind John Crook. Have you ever seen this? Yes. Yeah, mo- most people who love baseball. I've seen this before, but it's amazing. If you haven't, uh, he, he jokingly throws behind John Cruck, who was a left-handed batter. So John Cruck said, Nope, I'm not doing this. And he turned his batting helmet around the other way, stood in the right-handed box. And as soon as Randy Johnson uh, let go of the baseball, he took a little, a little wimpy swing to say he swung so he could get out of there and strike out. Cause he wanted nothing to do with Randy Johnson's hundred mile an hour heat lefty on lefty. He wanted nothing to do with it. And frankly, I don't blame him, <laughs> especially <laughs> when you consider that at six ten and with those massively long arms, he's not just throwing a hundred, 101. He's throwing that, uh, that fast from closer to the plate than just about anybody who's ever lived. Uh, and a lot of people don't think about that uh, when they're talking about pitchers, but release point is really important in the timing of uh of pitching and randy johnson was (laughs) i mean probably two or three feet closer than most other pitchers because of just how long he was Uh, so that's an added intimidation factor Uh, number three might be just a touch too high for randy johnson but i can see the argument there and i don't particularly have a problem with it especially when you consider his peak from the mid 90s to the the mid 2000s he was just incredible yeah so i'm trying to work out the math right here i wanted to see if he had the same career longevity 27 years as nolan ryan how many walks would how many walks would randy johnson have he would have around if you, if you know, he's averaging about two, he, in his career, he averaged about two and a half walks per inning or per game. So if my math is correct, he would have finished with 1,800, about 1,860 walks. Um, and so it's a thousand it, less than Nolan Ryan. So there you go. There you go. I think a thousand you, less. I think if, I think if the math was right, I think you said what Nolan Ryan averaged five walks five walks a game it's four four and four and change well per nine innings per nine yeah yeah um i just did per game uh, i didn't necessarily do per nine innings um because per game was easier to figure out quickly in this sure. podcast um but yeah i mean even then even if you figured it out that way it's still not even close so it's interesting i it's stylistically 
like, like, like you said, and you know, like I stated earlier, Randy Johnson and Nolan Ryan are pretty much the same. They have a wickedly hard fastball and they were both intimidating guys, but yet their their some of their stats are different or their production is different. So it's interesting. Um, Randy Johnson also had one of the most devastating sliders yeah. that baseball's ever seen as well, especially when you pair it with the hundred mile an hour fastball. Well, you get, Nolan Ryan you get a 90. Yeah. And the curveballs, it was a different pitch though. Yeah. You know, he had the 12, six, more of a looping thing, which in its own way is very difficult to hit when yeah. you are expecting a 100 mile per hour fastball, but that 90 mile an hour slider just exploding out of, out of Randy Johnson's hand when uh, you are, you were thinking, all right, I've got to time up a hundred. It's going to be straight here, straight ish. I mean, it wasn't exactly straight, but it's going to be here. And then all of a sudden it's three feet the other way. Yeah. You can't touch that. Right. Um, and then I'm sure you know this, you know, Randy Johnson is now a professional photographer. I did. And he was doing the NFL playoffs last year. I haven't seen, is he doing it again this year? Uh, I, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, he's Randy Johnson. He can do anything he wants. Um, <laughs> he can walk in a room and be like, I want to take pictures. And he's like, okay. You know, I'm, I, are you going to challenge Randy Johnson? I'm not challenging Randy. Jo- Go ahead, Mr. Randy Johnson. You take pictures of whatever you want. Um, well, he can but, get whatever angle he wants. Cause he can take pictures over other photographers heads. Yeah, exactly. Like he's going to get whatever angle he wants. Um, so, but yeah, he did the NFL playoffs and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if he did it again this year. I hear he's really good. I've never seen any of his work, but I hear he's really good. I mean, um, you'd have to. The NFL doesn't play, man. Yeah, the exactly. NFL, like, they're all about their money. Yeah. So they wouldn't they wouldn't hire some bad photographer. So he, he yeah. must be good. Yeah. All right. So Randy Johnson and number three. Who's better than Randy Johnson? That would be our number two, another Johnson, Walter Johnson. Walter Johnson spent a twenty-one twenty-one year career with the Washington Senators from nineteen oh seven to nineteen twenty-seven. He pitched in the third most games all time, eight hundred and two. Um, and in the third most innings all time, five thousand nine hundred fourteen in the third innings. With all of those innings pitched, he has the 11th lowest ERA, 2.17, the 15th lowest whip, 1.06, the 10th highest ERA plus, 147, the third highest war, 117.1. He won the MVP. There was no Cy Young yet. He won the MVP in 1913 and 1924. So think about it. Cy Young is dedicated only to pitchers because usually pitchers don't win the MVP. This guy didn't have the benefit of of the Cy Young Award. He had only the MVP, so he had to compete with hitters as well. And he beat them out twice, 1913, and then again almost 12 years later in 1924. And he won, just like Pedro Martinez, he was a pitching Triple Crown winner in 1913, the year he won the MVP. 1918, didn't win the MVP. And then 1924, won the MVP. He's eighth all-time in strikeouts, 3,509. He has the most shutouts all-time. So 802 games pitched, and out of those 802 games pitched, 110 of those were complete game shutouts. That's crazy. One-eighth of his starts were a complete game shutout. And he's second all-time in wins, only to Cy Young, at 417. Again, I could see an argument. I mean, the statistics don't lie. He's in the top 10, top 15, and most anything that you put up there. Walter Johnson, I could see being the number one pitcher of all time. I don't have a problem with him here at number two. Durability, 
great for his, you know, uh, and, and he had longevity, but didn't allow that many runs was obviously the best pitcher for more than, for more than a decade. I mean, he dominated in 1913 and then did it again in 1924. Um, you know, he struck out people. He didn't allow runs. He won games uh, at a rate that we don't see anymore. So I have no problem with Walter Johnson at number two and could and wouldn't be upset if I saw him at number one. He would be one of the only ones I'd be like, okay, Cy Young lost out to Walter Johnson. That's fine. I'm okay with that. What's your take here at Walter Johnson at number two? I'll start off by saying that I had Walter Johnson number one. Okay. And and I I feel pretty good about that. Uh, he, he's a guy who, despite... Uh, playing in an era without a ton of strikeouts is in the top 10 all time in strikeouts. He was uh, a very hard thrower in an era where there were not that many. Um, We obviously can't know for certain exactly how fast Walter Johnson threw, but supposedly it was significantly harder than everyone else of the era. And just looking at the numbers his career whip is better than most Cy Young award seasons. Yep. His career uh, shutout total is greater than the total number of career wins that Jacob deGrom has, (laughs) who is one of the best pitchers of this generation. That's a good stat. I like that. More shutouts for Walter Johnson then wins for Jacob deGrom. And I know Mets fans, I know he was criminally not supported by his lineup. His run support was very low. I know. But still, Walter Johnson has more shutouts than deGrom wins. And compared to his era, and this is why I put Walter Johnson number one, compared to his era, Walter Johnson was so far and away better than the other pitchers that I think you have to put him number one. It's kind of like the, the Babe Ruth argument. That's what I was just going to say. Would you compare, would you say he's like a Babe Ruth of pitchers at this point? I I think, I think that's a very, very uh, simple way to explain it. You know, Babe Ruth, while you, you might think that certain other players were just as good. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, I think Babe Ruth is best outfielder and best overall baseball player ever, but Babe Ruth was so much better than his competition relative to, you know, the, the league. And Walter Johnson was the same way. If, uh, if MVP voting made any sense back then, which as we talked about on a previous podcast, it most of the time did not make any sense. But if MVP voting made any sense back then, Walter Johnson, even as a pitcher, probably would have won seven, eight, nine MVPs. And that's absurd to think about. The big train, you know, as, as he – was as he was known was absolutely dominant for 20 years. Right. I mean, what else can you say? Domination for two decades is not something that anybody else can really say. Like in terms of complete dominance, you know, Cy Young was, was close to that. And, you know, Nolan Ryan was a very good pitcher, (laughs) but, but in terms of dominance for two decades, the only guy that I think comes close to that is Roger Clemens. Uh, but Clemens, as we talked about earlier, had some other stuff going on as well. Right. So 
Here's what I think. Uh, here's something that's interesting for what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 seasons. Babe Ruth and Walter Johnson played together or they played in the MLB concurrently. I'd like to see numbers. Walter Johnson versus Babe Ruth. I want to see who is better. I wish I, I wish I could figure out. I, I really want to see who was better uh, somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. Got to be. Um, I would really want to see that. Um, so if anybody out there can tell me how to where where I could figure that out, I would love to see it. Thank you. Um, you know, does good pitching still beat good hitting in the in the modern or in the in those times? That'd um, be really interesting to see. So we've seen all say, of these. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I will say though that by the time Babe Ruth was a full time hitter. Walter Johnson was coming toward the end of his career. It's also true. So we don't necessarily get to see prime Walter Johnson against prime Babe Ruth. Yeah. Um, which is unfortunate. That would have been, man, that would have been incredible. Right. Man. I, I would really have, I would really love to see if he could handle a fastball. Um, so we've seen all these great pitchers. We've had all these opinions. We've had opinions in the chat. We've had opinions on the podcast. Who ends up number one all time? Well, our number one all-time is Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox spent a 23-year career with the Cubs, Braves, Dodgers, and Padres from 1986 to 2008. He played in the or he pitched in the eighth most games all-time, 744. The 13th most innings all-time, 5,008 and a third innings. He has a 3.16 ERA, the 82nd best WHIP, 1.14. The 37th best ERA plus at 132. The fourth best war, 116.7. He has eight all-star appearances. Won the Cy Young four seasons in a row. 1992, 1993, 1994, and 1995. He's 10th all-time in strikeouts, 3,366, and 8th all-time in wins, 355. My opinion, Greg Maddox, great pitcher. Great pitcher. No problem with him being in the top 10. He's part of that big, that big three of Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz, you know, and that that '90s Braves that nobody could touch. They'd make it to the World Series every year, even though they didn't win it. They'd make it to the World Series every year, and it was really hard to hit Greg Maddox. He was a great pitcher for the Cubs and the Braves. I don't, I don't understand how he ended up at number one. Greg Maddox is, in my opinion, top ten. I have no problem with him top ten. I don't understand number one. There's no way he's better than uh, Walter Johnson in his era. There's no way he's better than Cy Young in his era. Um, you could make a you could make a argument for Randy Johnson being better than Greg Maddox in his era. Um, I don't know. I just I, I I don't. This one was weird to me. I saw Greg Maddox number one, and I wasn't even like, okay, that makes sense. I was like, what? How did he what? Where, how did he get there? So I had to take a double take to make sure that I did the math right. Um, so this one just baffled me. Again, I don't have a problem with him being in the top 10. I just don't understand number one. You being a Braves fan, I'm interested to see your take here at Greg Maddox at number one. So what do you think? I already, I already said I had Walter Johnson number one. 
Um, so I clearly don't believe Greg Maddox is the best pitcher of all time. Uh, and I don't believe that he's the second or third best pitcher of all time. Um, I would probably have him somewhere between four and seven. I could see. Yeah, and, that's where I could see him four and seven. And I think, I think Greg Maddox has a weird popularity, whether it's, uh, whether it's because of, um, you know, playing for two teams that were always on national television, you know, the Cubs and the Braves, uh, whether it was him being on, you know, the team of the nineties, even though the Braves only won one world series during that time, um, but I, I think his popularity mainly comes from the fact that, and this was by choice, but that he threw 88 miles per hour. I think there was something, something that really captivated uh, baseball fans about Greg Maddox and the fact that he threw slowly, but you know has arguably the greatest control of all time. Obviously, that's very impressive. I think if you're talking about who who were the great most skilled pitchers of all time? I think he'd have a pretty pretty good argument for the number one spot in that discussion. Yeah, um, but especially when you consider that he held on with the Dodgers and Padres at the end for some not good seasons, it doesn't necessarily make sense to me to have him in the top three. He's incredible, but we can't forget too that in terms of the postseason. Greg Maddox was at best the third best pitcher on that brave staff in the postseason. John Smoltz, I mean, arguably the best, uh, if not definitely top five starting pitcher postseason wise ever. So maybe it's not fair to compare him to Smoltz, but Tom Glavin, fellow Hall of Fame pitcher, built his game on control, you know, through a lot of sinkers and change ups, much like Greg Maddox. And Glavin outpitched Maddox most postseasons. And I, I know baseball isn't necessarily the same as basketball and football in which postseason affects legacy that much. But I think especially with a team that was in the postseason for deep runs so much like the Braves of the 90s were, maybe we should consider it some for Greg Maddox that his style didn't necessarily uh, translate as well to the postseason. It had nothing to do with his mental ability. Everybody knows that Greg Maddox is one of the, the greatest mental pitchers of all time. You know, he, he was he was the professor, as some people called him, and he was a bulldog on the mound. But there was a disconnect there from regular season to postseason. And uh, not to mention, he's just a really odd dude. <laughs> he used to pee on his teammates in the shower. Um that was and, Greg. Matt. I thought that was Smoltz for some reason. Uh, that was Maddox, and Maddox, uh, according to Chipper, did a lot, uh, a lot of uh, really disgusting things to teammates in the locker room. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't necessarily have to go into full details, but incredible pitcher. I've got no problem with him uh, being close to the top here, but I wouldn't have him in the top three, and I don't really understand an argument for him being number one. I don't, I think you, I can, just, you can I, try to make an argument for him at at two or three. I don't necessarily agree, but I don't I don't understand an argument for him at number one. As much as I love Greg Maddox, uh, yeah. as much as I think he is one of the best ever, I can't say he's the best ever. Okay, here's 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 a question: Greg Maddox, Nolan Ryan, which one? Fair. That's not fair. That's he was better fair. than Nolan Ryan. He was better than Nolan Ryan. Okay. 
All right. Because, I mean, I said earlier I didn't think Nolan Ryan's a top 10 pitcher. So That's true. It's true. And it is two different styles of pitching. Very different. Very different. I mean, I would rather step in the box against Greg Maddox than step in the box against Nolan Ryan because if Greg Maddox hits me, I get a bruise. If Nolan Ryan hits me, I might be dead. But but, um, I do think Greg Maddox is a better pitcher, and I don't think it's that close. Yeah. All right. So, um, oh, Corey's back. <laughs> he said Maddox over Ryan. He's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, no, he says Maddox. He says he would pick Maddox over Ryan as well. I misunderstood that comment. Um, so, there we are. There is our top 10 list as much sense. You can make sense of it with what you what you will. Um, I, I would agree. It's, it, it, it's an interesting list. Doesn't make much sense, but it's an interesting list nonetheless. Um, so that is, that concludes our starting pitching list. We are going, we're finally at the end of our greatest, uh, greatest of all time series. When we hit the best relief pitchers of all time, maybe this list will make a little bit more sense. Uh, do you have any parting comments before we, uh, before we leave tonight, Kevin? Uh, just, I'm a little bit surprised that there was uh, no Warren Spawn even in the top 15. Um, you know, along with, uh, Clayton Kershaw that we mentioned earlier. Um, do you know where he was on the list? Do you have that handy? Kershaw was 17th, Warren Spawn 16th. Okay. So they were both right there. They were both right there. Um, yeah, it's a little surprising that neither one of them even made the top 15, but I mean, really though, starting pitching is loaded. Yeah. Um, as much as I think both of those guys are better than Nolan Ryan, um, I'd, it would be difficult to put them on the list and kick someone other than Ryan off. Yeah. Um, so I get it. You know, it, it's tough. Um, next five, you're looking at next five after that, you're looking at uh, Warren Spawn, 16th, uh, Clayton Kershaw, 17th, White, Whitey Ford is okay. 18th, uh, 19th, Mike Mussina, and then 20th, Pete Alexander. Ooh, Mike Mussina, way too high. But Grover Cleveland, Pete Alexander, not does not get enough love. Very, very, very good pitcher. Um, I see Roy Halladay he, he, here, Ron Marischal, yeah. Tom Glavin, Jacob DeGrom, 24th. With 85 career wins. Yeah. I know Just wins above, aren't the end-all, be-all, but yeah, 85. Just above man. Ferguson Jenkins, mind you. Mm. Who has over 300 wins. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I will say next week will not be nearly – nearly as difficult to predict at least at the top i think we can pretty safely assume one and two especially one yeah it it, i mean relief pitching is a very volatile position anyway so i think it is going to be very interesting to see who ends up on this list um we won't do it on tuesday but we will try to get it in next week nonetheless the and finish off the greatest of all time series it will be the season finale of the great of the total bases express show um thank you all for tuning in thank you for the chat and thank you for listening week in and week out and for my buddy kevin miller i am your host austin spiro and until next time have a good one everybody